Our boy put out an album this week. Our boy Teddy? Our boy Usain Bolt. Oh, oh, oh really? <laughs> yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. That's amazing. I had no idea. I knew there was a bunch of, uh, is it Chet Hanks? Yeah. Drama last year or the year before? La- last year, Because yeah. he threw out a Jamaican accent. Oh that, no! I don't know if that. Oh, that I was thought the thing. that now, was the main drama. Th- this year worse? was saying it was gonna it was gonna be a white boy summer. That was the thing last year. It was that his parents were in Australia and had yeah COVID, around the COVID and stuff. he yeah whatever the hell he was talking about. Well, part there. of that got real QA nani I think because like he like Hanks got COVID and then he's in Australia and then he like disappears to Italy and they're like oh like he's I'm like okay. Like, dude's rich as shit, and COVID's exploding. Where do you want to spend your COVID? Like, I'll take Italy. Like, you think he's talking to lizard people? Oh, here, I see what the problem is. There we go. But he, uh, I also think there was a Chet Hanks uh, appropriation deal, because he threw up Jamaican accent, a really good one, really fucking good one. (laughs) I think we talked about on another podcast how much I like that accent. I just listened to that music. Uh, He threw up a real good accent on a red carpet one time. Oh. And people got so fucking mad. But then he tells the story, I think, and he said like one of his best friends is from there and was teaching him or his cu- cousin or yeah. somebody. His cousin married somebody, something. Somebody he was hanging out with for a very long time started to teach him all the phrases and like how to speak it. And so then he was just like, I'm like that too, actually. When I went to Argentina and my cousins spoke broken ass English, yeah, I started like having a broken ass English accent because I'm talking to them for like three weeks straight. Yeah, you know, I I mimic all humans do, but I mimic it a ton. So I was like, dude, if this dude's hanging out with a Jamaican cat, and it's just cool. I don't, I don't I, look. I'm no, you know, PC guy, and I'm not the one to decide what's appropriation or not because it's not my culture. But I don't think that many Jamaicans were probably offended. Ah, uh, they might not be. Yeah. yeah, and I realize this is like a white person imitating a white person, but like I remember in high school. I got cast in a, a lead in a play, and it was all supposed to be British accent, and. At the time, I actually was working as a TA for a an exchange teacher who was from York, um, England. Yeah, and that's not the accent I was supposed to have, but that's the one I absorbed. Yeah, yeah. because that's because I had it, you know, five days a week. Right, that I was listening to the guy, so I just like. Yeah, it just sticks. Pulled that one in. Yeah, it's stick. Yeah, whatever you listen to, and then some people, I guess, just literally can't do accents, so nothing sticks. But. I, you know, it's weird. I think that people fall into different categories. There are people who can't do accents at all. Yeah. There are people who are born in in a, in a place that has a particular accent or dialect or whatever and just absorb it in a way that they almost can never get rid of it. People say I have a fucking accent all the time. They're like, Mike, you talk different. What the fuck do I talk like? Like, like I, my dad's from Cleveland, and so they kind of have like a butchered ass yeah. Midwest deal, you know, yeah. like a very watered down Wisconsin or a watered down New York. Yeah. And then like yeah, they're kind of Italian American so we like talk kind of loud, but like I don't I'm fucking grew up here. Yeah. I was born in Portland. They ain't got shit. Yeah. I guess people say California accent, but and then people say I say words weird. I'm trying to think of one. Well, there's people who also that's another category, people who say words weird. Um but the third category in my mind are people who uh, can do the regional accent, but they don't have a regional accent all the time. But oh, those yeah. people can also do every other accent yeah. with a little bit of practice. The weird ones are people that are from somewhere that's a harsh accent. They don't have one. Yeah, those. I think those are these people. Yeah. They could do it if they wanted to, but they also- They just could, don't. They just don't. Naturally, yeah. they don't, though. 
Yeah. Like I love some people from Southie Boston or like some people from f- French Canada and like they they sound super just normal or Texas. And oh. obviously Texas has an influx of people, so like if you're generational Texas, you probably got a twang, but yeah, that that stuff blows my mind. Well, I'm a generational Oklahoma except I wasn't born there and I mean my sister who was born here and and much after me uh sounded like my parents and I never yeah probably I, just, I, I didn't well I'm intentionally didn't I, yeah. I I figured out how to not do it and then I just didn't do it yeah I, I probably just sound like my dad you've met my mom yeah did yeah. I tell you this uh uh revelation I had when I was like 20 no because mom mom lived in Argentina her, her whole childhood and then even like high school she did down there she didn't like fully move here till yeah. she was like 19 yeah and they speak Spanish and I had a revelation one time because one of my buddies, one of my best friends from high school, his dad's from Sri Lanka and has the thickest fucking accent. I could barely understand him sometimes, you know? And we were close, super cool guy. And, and uh, I'm over at their house a lot. And I'm like, bro, sometimes I just can't fucking understand your dad. Like, not even close. And he's uh-huh. like, what? My dad doesn't have an accent. I'm like, dude, you're fucking nuts. Like, your dad's accent's thick as fucking shit. Like, uh-huh. like, like, there's some sentences I'm lost. And then I was like, Pff. I was like, what if my mom has an accent? <laughs> and you don't know. And I have no fucking clue. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, she grew up in California as like an adult. Um, she doesn't have an accent though, right? Because like, then I started asking some of my friends. I was like, does mom have like an accent? And they're like, no, I don't think so. I was like, I don't think so either. <sighs> she doesn't have an accent. She has... She probably has her own particular speech patterns, but that's Maybe. that's kind of that's kind of it. I feel I like know. stuff like that might happen when you're bilingual. Or all catchers sometimes she'll say something like, um, "Not this bad." This would make her sound bad, <laughs> but like like it, in Spanish you say like, "I I, I have thirst." Yeah, yeah. You don't say I'm thirsty, and right, so she'll right. say like some stuff like that sometimes, where I know her brain's just ticking in both languages. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I never heard an accent. That's supposed to be good for you. My um, yeah, it's supposed to be amazing for your brain. Unlock yeah. secrets. Yeah, that's that's very common in Canada. And my um, my older grandson is has actually in his second year as um, in a French immersion school, and they don't actually teach you to start reading in English until third grade. That's crazy. But grade they, but, three, pardon me. Can, yeah, yeah grade three. Grade three. They uh, but they don't have anything. Do they don't. Teach they teach in English, but teach you French to write and read. Uh, they know it's immersion. So it's, you're just it's in French, yeah. Do they just, tell you like go home and speak French, or they don't care if you speak? English um, they give them homework, but they don't have a ton of of homework. But they do. No, have, but I mean with like your parents. Um, like do they suggest? They suggest, yeah. I think. But my my daughter in law, I mean, like went through the Canadian school system, and she took. I don't know if she. I don't know if she went to exactly that school, but I'm pretty sure she went to a French immersion school. Yeah. She's, you know, she does okay. Yeah, yeah, in, yeah. In French for sure. And does fine in English. Right? And so, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. no no question in English, but. Yeah. I don't know. Because then you hear things too that uh, when you're a kid, kid, you're supposed to just learn one English or one language, sorry. You're supposed to just learn one language and then introduce the other. Because if you start to learn multiple at a time, obviously your kids, your grandkids aren't like baby babies anymore or in school. But mm. uh, like baby babies, then they'll get confused and not know what to do. So they say like unlock one and then start to learn another. I've never heard that. And certainly not recently just because I know that they say that it's different parts of your brain. It's different parts of the speech center in your brain. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, because it's, it's not exactly the same thing. And most kids... 
uh, who were in a multilingual households kind of learn all the languages anyway. I mean, yeah. How do you, how do you not? It turns into a we're talking about a patois. I did not a couple weeks ago. I you did didn't, not. You somehow didn't, <laughs> you didn't pick up any Spanish at all. Oh, uh, I mean some probably. I mean, it's pretty I, bad. This well, the Spanish that I picked up as a kid. Uh, some of the things are unfortunate because, like my my dad was an ag mechanic for you know when I was a kid. Yeah, and so he worked with a lot of. Um, uh, there were a lot of in California. Guess what? There are a lot of Mexicans who work in agriculture. Yeah. Boom, yeah. and and then they uh, also itinerant workers who who come in from from Mexico who really only speak Spanish. Yeah, back then, really <laughs> for sure, for sure even only now, spoke Spanish, yeah. and maybe even now. Yeah. And so, like he would, he learned enough Spanish to be able to work with them and also swear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, hang out language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My grandma spoke a little bit of both, but she didn't move here till she was like. 40 or 50 mm. and then uh lived with us my whole life basically but then she got dementia early onset dementia and then she basically just like went back to spanish spoke oh. like no english um she could, like kind of understand me and obviously my spanish was way better then than now i think my first words were spanish oh yeah yeah and then it just kind of stopped now i'm pretty useless can't speak shit <laughs> I remember, uh, I don't know, maybe at two or three, whatever, Sam, who's running the cameras for us here, uh, uh, just decided he wanted to learn to speak French. I don't, you ended up having to take Spanish though, right, in school? Yeah, yeah. But like just just, just said, hey, I want to speak French. Like, okay. Yeah, it's not a bad thing. It is something, I, I, I do think like to express yourself artistically or, or linguistically or both, I do think you're limited if you only have one language. I know I've I've said this before. I often say this that um, the uh, uh, l- learning a certain amount of Latin will help you, yeah. kind of regardless because you can figure out the roots of things and yeah. figure out what they mean without actually specifically looking up a definition and, and get and, by on multiple countries probably. Like right. my mom can go run around Italy and get by fine. Yeah, yeah. It's it's different, but it's not so different. Yeah. Some of the vocabulary is different. Yeah, a for little sure. Bit, but you'd find your, you'd stumble better better than like uh, an English guy trying to go through fucking Germany. Yeah, yeah. Good fucking luck. Yeah, <laughs> and, and my experience with Italy though is that uh, when I would look up a phrase and try to try to speak it, yeah. you know, and like do an okay job, then they try to respond to you in Italian, and you have no clue what they're saying because they're talking too fast. Sure, and you're better off. Sticking to English, yeah, 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 and throwing Fumbling. in the occasional uh, Italian word to make it clear that you're trying, but you're not, yeah, you're not competent, and so you need to figure out. Let's let's find hand gestures yeah. that work or Play something. little charades, yeah. All that. Long story short, is uh, my boy Usain Bolt's album's out, <laughs> not sponsored. Check that out, but I like it. Uh, I thought you were talking about Teddy. <sighs> no, Teddy uh, did just put out a new single, though. Shout out to Teddy Swims. Yeah, he just put out a new single uh, last Friday, I think. Something like that. I think he just ended his tour. I was trying to see him, but obviously it's it was on the East Coast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's got a big old deal that keeps getting postponed in Vegas. It's like a big old festival that he's a part of. I was thinking about that, but I think tickets are out and it keeps getting postponed. So I don't think music season will really be back until probably February or some shit. I feel like a lot of stuff kind of shuts down for, I mean, I've been fiending for some live music. Just yeah. fiending. I, I, I don't do a lot, but I guess looking back and talking about it, like I, I do actually. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, you know, cause I could just dove so hard into work with this, the gym and everything. And even before that, I worked so much, but over my, you know, 20 years of semi-adulthood, I, did, I love live music. I've gone to a lot and then now I haven't. 
four years. Yeah, I haven't in a while either. Well, I think, yeah, I think I maybe saw one thing after after I saw Tom Petty right before he died. And yeah, then, uh, but I went years without without going. I love it. I don't know why. One of my favorite things, live comedy too. Yeah, well, I used to do live yeah. comedy, so yeah. I'm I haven't been back yet either. As a matter of fact, I just haven't had haven't had time and or slash energy. Yeah, bunch of shows at Memorial Auditorium. I think I'm gonna try to sneak into one. Oh yeah, yeah. coming up over the. I got Hamilton tickets in two weeks, and I have no idea whether that theater is actually going to be finished. Yeah, live and popping. Yeah, not regardless of of of, of COVID or yeah, just construction. Or just the construction. Yeah, they they're. Um, my wife was talking to one of the workers uh, the other day who happened to be in medical situation, and he's like, "Yeah, I don't know if they're going to make it because like the flooring's not in. They're gonna they're gonna end up opening it not completed and completing it along the way." We're talking about the big community center theater yeah. downtown here in Sacramento that's part of um, the convention center sort of remodel, rebuild um, that was started back when people had conventions in person and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, our convention center, right? Like we just fucking went nuts with our convention center. And then now what, what conventions are going on? Yeah, there's not that many. My wife was supposed to be in Portland for one next week and it went virtual because because yeah because covid i i, I wish because i, I want to go inside and see what ours looks like and then um i like conventions in general yeah you know like obviously working them in some of our past wasn't like the most um fun i've ever had at conventions but generally speaking i like conventions yeah. i think especially when you're in control and if it sucks the actually they're doing uh the greek festival they used to do at the convention center, and I know the Greek festival is happening this year. I wonder if it's at the convention the center. The food festival? Yeah. Oh, wow. The last time I went to it, it was at, well, the last one I went to was at the Greek Orthodox Church that's in my neighborhood. How long ago was that? Probably two years. Oh, then maybe it moved. Because I went eight years ago or, oh, okay. or more, and it was at the convention center. Yeah, no, they built a whole new building, and there's a big courtyard where they have they have it so interesting yeah yeah always good always good yeah not very the, far from my house the concert i'm looking at now is thundercat do you know thundercat i do not know thundercat i think you'd like thundercat yeah yeah he's uh, a bass player really yeah thundercat rips thundercat I, rips I, yeah i like me some babes no bass. he's really really good he's going to ace of spades which is uh, another one that's why i'm glad they redid memorial auditorium because like we we have like golden one which is going to sell out like taylor swift and mm -hmm. shit of that level but beyond that not really happening joe rogan is doing uh Golden one. Really? Yeah, this I'd month. go. Like no two weeks. Way. Yeah, two weeks, I think. I'd go. His COVID is behind him. I didn't know. He took that. enough horse pace. He should be okay. Is, he's not coming with Chappelle. No. Because then I'd definitely go. No. I don't need to see Rogan again. I've seen Rogan a couple times. I saw Rogan before Rogan exploded. And it was, yeah. it was, that was good. His comedy is okay. Yeah. Like he exploded because his podcast, his level of guests. Yeah, yeah. Um, his, his comedy, I don't think, is at the level of his fame. No, you know what I mean. I like Chappelle, so. Chappelle is just so. There's so many good comedians, but because um, I was gonna say Mo Memorial Auditorium seats what two thousand maybe something people. Like that, I'm yeah. making it up, but something like that. Don't and like then that. Ace of Spades is one of our other spots that Live Nation bought out, and that sits like eight hundred or a thousand folks. Yeah, Thundercats. Thundercats big though. Like he's he's just not popular. He sings and has some funk. There's probably one song you might have heard. Um, but he's like homies with the big wigs. Like during COVID, he did a live Instagram with John Mayer and shit. Like. 
he's well respected in the music world. Uh-huh. He's just not a radio banger to fill out Golden One kind of okay. deal. Okay. You know? Yeah. Well, I I also had no idea how big T- Teddy was until T- T- Teddy's social media big though. Like yeah. he ain't on the radio yet. You know, like and I, I don't know if it matters. Well, he's YouTube huge. YouTube huge. TikTok huge. Um, insanely talented. I I, I, tw- I uh, tweeted it out. I think, but like first time I heard was a, a cover of "Use Me" Bill Withers, which is one of my maybe all time favorite songs of all time, and him singing it. And his pipes are insane. Yeah, his style's different. His and then I, and then I saw a couple interviews of him, and he just seems like so kind hearted. And then messaging him back and forth, both of us talked to him a little bit. Just seems right. so kind. Um, I don't know. I don't know how you make your music. Like obviously touring. Right, yeah. as a, as a musician, you make your your your, your money nowadays because records and whatever are, are trash, and um, the CPM on Spotify is just as trash as YouTube or anything. Although the replayability there is beyond YouTube, right? I put out a bang and deadlift video, maximum you're gonna watch it twice. Right, you put out a bang and song, you could listen to that. One person could listen to that a thousand times in a year, potentially, yeah. right? If it's a driving song or a workout mm-hmm. song or whatever. So there is a little bit more benefit to musicians there compared to a YouTube creator. Um, but I guess touring is the only way they make money. And in that sense, it really doesn't really matter if you're on the radio. Yeah. Because you can sell your tickets through Instagram. You can sell your tickets through, you do your own, you do your self promo. Yeah. You, you can have your homie be your agent because you don't need this big old agency that's going to start to do, you know, concert promos. Mm-hmm. You you probably only have to sell a, you know, certain percentage or whatever of a, of a place to get a deal there or to lock it in. And yeah, you do a mini tour. But uh, I mean, a tour with Zach Brown band. Yeah, doesn't get much bigger. That's, no, that's a list for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, something you said about CPM and and uh, different platforms. Uh, this was just brought to my attention by our, our friend Kale Beck. Yeah. In the last week, that. Oh yeah, I just read that. That product reviews on Amazon. Yeah. Pay really, really well, and you can upload videos there. Yeah. Basically. Yes. Exactly. Not the the printed yeah. ones. I mean, the the typed ones don't. Yeah. You don't get anything off of that, really. I get prompted for those all the time, but. But the video ones, yeah, Amazon's making moves. I mean, they they just got shit on by YouTube in terms of gaming streaming this last month. They really lost that that uh, battle. But a um, bunch of huge Twitch streamers just signed exclusive deals with YouTube, and YouTube's really expanding their live stream platform. But Amazon, um, you know, Twitch is one baby root of what Amazon's trying to do. Um, and I just got approached. I think it was semi generic, but um, they're creating. Affiliate programs and sponsorships for Amazon Music, oh. which I could see in the next five years to definitely make a push against Spotify. Would wouldn't you? Right? Why wouldn't you tie it into an Amazon Prime type deal, whatever, maybe five bucks a month or less, and then you have Amazon Prime Music, you have Amazon Prime uh, TV and movies, which has stepped up their game. In the beginning, they're shit. Yeah. That, I remember that was the first live stream I ever had because they fucking did the one month. I was naive, 17 year old, 18 year old. They say, oh, one month free. I was like, oh, I'll try it. You know, and then they fucking start, start charging. Just taking my $100, which at 17 was a lot. Because I think it was one year. I paid for like one year. What is it now? What? Amazon Prime. Uh, yeah, not, yeah, I think it's 115. Yeah, at 17, now. that fucking. Yeah, I didn't eat for three days, but <laughs> <laughs> as an adult, it is probably worth it. But then, uh, and that was uh, and that was when I started traveling a lot in my early 20s. All I had was Amazon movies, oh, okay. just f list shit movies. Yeah, but now really they have bad. some really good stuff. Yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah, and so if they're music and music, I, I think I might be wrong, but the issue with musicians and music is that it basically went to syndication like TV. Right, so you buy the rights ish like a radio station rather than selling albums, and now Amazon can have the exact same music that Spotify has. Yeah, you and I could start a company like that if we had the cash. 
Right. If we, if we had the cash, it's really what it all comes down yeah, to. Yeah, but but that's all it is. Like it's it's such a silly game where back in the day you just couldn't do that. It was like probably illegal. Yeah. <laughs> or, or 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 the record label would just say no. Like we're yeah. going to sell our records instead of give you these rights. Right. For yeah, it's sure. Interesting. But yeah, shout out Teddy. Hopefully he comes to sack. Yeah, yeah. He 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 he's down to meet us. He's really you know excited about it. But we're not in the same um, geographic locations right no, now. No, I think he's a Georgia boy. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, I think he's a Georgia boy. I um, believe that. I might be wrong, but I think he's a Georgia boy. Definitely East Coast. Uh, it's funny where his music sits, though, because like he's soulful as shit, and all his covers are very soul R&B. And then his music, I would say, is like soul pop, his originals. Yeah. Maybe R&B pop. Um, a little bit less funky than, say, a Hollow Notes. Definitely less funky, although he's funky. Yeah, and, and I get the play, like... It might be just the music he enjoys. Who knows? Like, I, I obviously, because he's a businessman at the end of the day, everyone has to be if you want to do well. And so, like, the covers he chose, maybe what he loves or maybe what he thinks would get clicks. Mm-hmm. Who knows? He might, you know, he might not speak to Bill Withers. He just knew that song would sound good with his voice. And then same with the original music you start to write. Hopefully, it's what you love and enjoy, but it might not be your your favorite music if if, if it's Possibly. not you know what i mean yeah. yeah like he might want to make fucking funk bangers all day but name, name the last funk band you heard on the radio parliament yeah 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 thundercat you'll like thundercat okay. thundercat's funky thundercat's real funky but you know like poor thundercat ain't getting on the radio funkadelic actually yeah. that's what i should have said there not parliament but yeah there's like there's not a lot uh like some EDM groups ish, like Chromio or something, are kind of funky, electro funky, and they're starting to get some popularity, but they're not on the radio either. And again, yeah. radio is not the final judgment, but where do you go? Yeah. Where do you go? So you said we had some fitnessy questions. Yeah, we got some health and life things we can try to help some folks out with. What do you got, kids? Where to go? Uh, on, a, on a completely unrelated <laughs> note, I was listening to another podcast while I was setting up in here, uh, and they were talking about a book that I now need to read called The Power of Now. And it's a, some of it deals with how those of us who are uh, just kind of more anxious in our personal lives. I think that's a book I actually read. Oh, really? Let me look. Yeah, I think so. Where's your stupid books on iPhones? Uh, it depends on how you got it. If it was Audible or... <laughs> I think it was Audible. Yeah. I think it was an audio book, but through their shit. iTunes, maybe? Yeah. Uh, probably. I don't know. No, Bookshelf or whatever that's called. Newsstand, Bookshelf. Anyway, though, just talking about how difficult it is for people who are, uh, by the very near nature, anxious, uh, to it's hard for them to be present in whatever situation they're in, and that is entirely me yeah. a lot of the time, especially like back in the days when I had corporate jobs. It was it was really Eckhart Tolle. Um, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the guy. Yeah. That's the guy. Yeah, listen on last year. So, did you? What did you take away from it? I I uh I listen to a lot of stuff like that. Um, Man's search for meaning and this and that. All these what's the four rules? Four agreements. All those, right? I yeah. listen to all that stuff because I think I I enjoy it and it it like speaks to me and it like talks to my soul. Um, and who knows what like the most modern day psychologists think? And that's all I can go based off like like going to therapy or the stuff I read. But like like your brain is like on autopilot. Yeah, And so although I love these concepts, like adapting them or like using them is so hard. It's like the typical easier said than done. Mm-hmm. We're like someone on the edge. We're like, I, I've basically been diagnosed with like general anxiety disorder. So like 
I can't. I, can't. <laughs> I try. I try really fucking hard. But like, it's not someone that's anxious sometimes. Right. If right. you're anxious sometimes, I think these books can change your life. Like, because I read it all the time. Twitter friends or, or friends on Instagram post like, man, this book is insane. And that's where I got these lists of books, mm-hmm. uh, you know, from other people I respect or people that said, man, the, the concepts in here has really helped me. And then, and then I read it and I'm just like, yeah, that concept is sick. <laughs> and <laughs> like the, my, my, I can't. It's like it's like it's like my brain is a Lamborghini, okay, on on cruise control, okay. and the brake pedal's missing. Oh, okay. There's no, yeah. you know, where these books. If you have a Lamborghini, you just shift down, or maybe you tap on the brake a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, like these people, the books allow you to be that brake. My, my, it's hard. It's really fucking hard. And and I'm not saying it's not hard for other folks either. I'm not saying I'm a little snowflake. A lot of people deal with it, but true anxiety disorders, like yeah, less than ten percent of the population. Yeah. Every human has stress. Every human is anxious sometimes, but mm-hmm. it's just different. So, like, I love the concepts of it all, um, but being able to handle it is. I read all the quotes. I love stoicism. You know, I love all that shit. Yeah. You know. You know. I love it fucking all, and it's. Uh, ha- haven't been able to apply it as much as I'd like. Maybe. That's a fair point. Yeah, yeah. I think that all that stuff is really hard and takes a lot of work. And and like, reading the book isn't. You know, the last step is the first step, and so yeah, yeah. Where where I think if someone's on the edge there, reading the book is the first middle and last step. Yeah, like, oh, they, I understand that. Yeah, and, they can apply it, and yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's like me reading a lifting book. Oh, that's cool. I understand these concepts of you know RPE. Let me apply it to some of my clients. Boom. But like this kind of stuff, I can't. I just can't. I affirm affirmation and all this mm-hmm. stuff, but it's still, you know, very difficult. I understand what you're saying. Very difficult, but I liked it. And I think more people should read it. And I think some of the concepts are, some of them are kind of like a duh. Like I knew that, but didn't know that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So questions. Um, I don't know. Now we're on some mental health stuff. Uh, what's something you're working on to better yourself at the moment? Oh, Lord. Yeah. I have already pre-thought these because I looked at them a little bit. So I you think, should go then. I think mine uh, last time I was uh, deep into therapy was two, two, two three years ago, pre-COVID-ish, that kind of year. Um, just haven't gone back because of scheduling and, and COVID and whatever. But um, a big thing that I guess I, di- I didn't understand at the time that we were talking about is like uh, the perfectionist mindset or being a perfectionist. And I always grew up hearing about perfectionists in terms of like schoolwork and like a certain type of perfectionist, meaning like, the example in my life would be that I thought a perfectionist was is like I'm not going to put this YouTube video out until I edit it till eight in the morning because I want it fucking perfect and oh I don't like this cut and I don't like this edit I'm going to go reshoot this I'm going to go do th-. and that's the only perfectionist I thought of mm-hmm. and then obviously therapy digs way deep into you and they're analyzing the fuck out of you and you're telling all the stories and how you think and this is what I do and then, and and I guess I don't know if that's a it's a real category or not but basically. Um, unrealistic expectations of yourself is also perfectionism that doesn't have to tie into exact like detailed work where I guess I always tied it to detailed work or um, what you represent where mine is just like ruminating thoughts of work ruminating thoughts of what I should be doing or why I'm not there or that I need to work 80 hours a week or kind of that hustle grind murder kill Mm -hmm. mentality that all of our peers or many of our peers preach that yeah. can fuck people up, and that's just not real. Like, it's not real for anybody, and they are either lying, purely lying, or they're going to do it for 
one year or five years and then fucking explode. Yeah. Um, and I've I've exploded. I've found deep depressions where I can't get off the couch and et cetera, et cetera. And so I've, I've kind of been there. So for me, what I'm kind of working on is trying to, I guess, a little bit be in the now. Um, I wouldn't say like have fun or enjoy the process, although that's always a goal of mine because I suck at it. But mine is just to kind of like breathe. Just kind of breathe through things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just kind of let things roll. Mm-hmm. Um, which I'm very bad at. And, and, and like just not work. Like like yesterday after I left the gym at 12, 12.30, I went home and I did absolutely nothing. I did absolutely nothing the rest of the day. Um, and to like kind of be okay with that. Like anybody can do that and say like self-care. I took the day off. But like be okay inside. Like Mike, it's okay you did that. And there's nothing you have to do, should have done, or could have done better. Go sit on the couch, buddy. And just sit with that. Um, cause that's something I've never done, never mm-hmm. done in my fucking life from sports to school to work. Um, and that's what people don't understand about like the quote unquote entrepreneurial lifestyle too, is that like work isn't clock in clock out or build this soda can and ship it or move this amount of boxes. It's like, what's going on in your brain that's conceptualizing what's next or not conceptualizing what's next or whatever, whatever the work doesn't really stop unless you stop it. Um, and so I'm trying to stop it. <laughs> Trying to stop it a little bit, which is again always a work in progress. Yeah, I I hear you. I think that um, yeah, because my entire life, but also particularly since we started this project, like I could think of something to do all the time. Right. Literally any minute of any day, I could be thinking of something to do. In the last couple of weeks, I've actually taken a whole day here or there that I didn't do much associated with this. But there's. I mean, part of it is there's always something to, there really is always something to do. And some of those things are high leverage things and some of them are low leverage things. And, you know, uh, we, um, we've been doing live streams of this show infrequently um, and then, and then frequently, and then there's not necessarily anybody actually watching it live, but I, uh, all the time, but I really want to not have to touch the video version again after it's done. Yeah, a little and, live edit. Yeah, and the um and the YouTube algorithm prefers that for whatever reason. Like if I go back and perfect it and throw titles and all that kind of stuff into um into a video, it doesn't get as many views as the live version that just sits there. Uh, whether or not people um, come in, there's actually somebody in the chat right now. Um. And so I got to kind of get that out of my brain. I got to make it work so that that's, you know, and, and I was had it, it was yesterday, day before yesterday, day before yesterday. I just I was having a shitty day. I just woke up in a bad mood and, and just couldn't shake it or whatever. And I was like, I actually just need to get like a W today yeah. on something. I got to get through something that's been on my list that I can tick it off and 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 feel good about it. So to mitigate the other things that I feel shitty about because they're yeah, not yeah. done. Like I actually check it off. Yeah. Rather actually, than just do some work. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's a big difference. Exactly. Like finish a thing. Yeah. And uh and so I did that. Like I didn't understand how any of it worked. And um I dove into it and got some help from Kyle and 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 so now we have a standby screen. We've got an intro video, we've got an outro, we've got a, you know, um, uh, a uh, lower third that's actually sitting on top of the bear for whatever reason. I got to fix that, but uh, um, and an outro and all that stuff that we didn't have before. And now, once this is done, I can walk away from it and not think about it right. again, which is really what I want. Uh, and so I accomplished that, and I feel better. And like 
when I'm thinking about the world in that way, I feel better in general. Yeah. I feel more accomplished, even if the, my list of things to do is long. That stuff's hard to figure out. I remember in high school, uh, like, I don't know what a normal college, like, counseling situation looks like, because obviously my school's a little different, but we have, like, like a college counselor, and then we also have, like, courses on stuff like that. I don't mm-hmm. remember what it was called, but we just have, like, little things, and they do, like, a bunch of tests, personality-type stuff, or, um, yeah, like... Uh, even just group discussions on like, would you like a big school, a little school, this, that, 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 that. And one of them is like, yeah, like how do you feel fulfilled or good? Like mm-hmm. what type of work? Mm-hmm. Uh, I was talking to our barber. I might even mention this on here before, but like talking to Chris who cuts both my engine's hair. And he was like, yeah, like I, I knew early that I like to see a task, fix a task, be done with the task. And I was like, I think I'm like that too. And I'm literally in the wrong field. <laughs> like YouTube's never done. No. I don't feel good about a video because as soon as you click publish, you got another video to come out in three days. Like everything I've done is like that. Even the clothing, like I really like creating it. Like I sit in that for like a minute. You know, I sit like a photo shoot and I'm just going to do pictures. Like, damn, this stuff looks kind of cool. And then I'm already thinking about what's the next launch going to look like and feel like. And so like definitely I'm in the wrong field. But like you said, like you're kind of like that mindset too, which makes sense with like a lot of the um, like DIY stuff you like to do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And where like I, I, I really did enjoy doing the gym like that. I don't know if I'd always like that or not, but um, it does feel good. Like even little stuff like each, each of these pillars, I don't know if you see the pillars behind us, but they had like a billion screws in them because they – Whoever put up the drywall was just trash. And so, like, one day, I think Jim Whoever was, put up this part of the building was just trash, yeah, but that's another point. Jim was, like, outside, and he helped me a little bit, but he's outside doing, uh, I think we were fixing the door that day or working with the wood, and I just, yeah. like, go through and just unscrew, like, a literally probably a thousand screws. There was a lot. Yeah, yeah and it just kind of felt good, uh, you know, because I came in here, there's a million scres, and we can't do anything, and then I took all the screws out. I'm like, huh, well, well I'm done today. Like, <laughs> I just did, a, you know, something. Where, again, like, lifting weights isn't like that. No. Some people might get that from competitions. Yeah. You know, I never got that from competitions. Um, yeah, a lot of stuff I do is just not like that. And so I, I probably need to find, whether it be a hobby or a job within what we do to, to, to feel that too. Yeah, it's hard. Knock it out and yeah, go, it's hard. okay, I can go, I can go forward. And I a, little bit, about a little bit uh, uh, shipping... Uh, doing the fulfillment for us a little bit. Uh-huh. But even that, like we have like two weeks that's nuts and that yeah. feels good because I'm doing like 50, 100 orders a day. But then like today, there's three orders. That doesn't feel good because it's just not work. You know, like it's like, all right, that took me 10 minutes. Like it doesn't feel... Um, I'm happy any day that there are orders to fulfill. That's No, me too. I like, the, But you know what I mean? Like the actual like doing of the job doesn't feel like, oh wow, that was work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I feel you on that. Um... I got nothing, but you might have something. What's your funniest gym story? My funniest gym story. My, my, my like funny gym stories don't come from like the gym. It just comes like from being around people and shit happening or whatever. Like you know what I mean? Like I can't think of like, oh my god, so and so shit himself. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a fan. We've done shit. I know, but even that like shit. hasn't really happened to me either. Like <laughs> yeah. it does that. You know, like, no, that never happened. It would be like a, a joke conversation after a training session or something would probably be funny at some point. But I, I don't even. There's not like a particular thing that stands in my head that was super funny. Um, not super funny, but it's funny when you tell it as a story. The um, um, back in the day, back in the early days of uh, of ST before we were in a gym, um, some idiot. Uh, left a couple of um, boards for that you build up the height for a squat box. Oh yeah, yeah, you know yeah. they're like yeah, like they're a one like by on one, like yeah. a one by square. Yeah, they're they're yeah. 
the one by one yeah. and they're like, you know, half inch plywood or whatever. And then a lot of times they have rubber on them. Or yeah. Whatever. So someone had left them sitting on uh, a platform and I stepped backwards, oh, not no. knowing that they were there. My feet went out from under me. Like a banana deal? Uh-huh. And yeah. I impaled one of my butt cheeks on uh, a deadlift jack. Oh, I think you've told me this. So this was one of those, like, I don't ever, uh, we didn't ha- actually even have a deadlift jack for the first several months here yeah. because I don't like them. They scare me. You and I, a lot of stuff we've planned around this gym is based on our experience, obviously, but uh, powerlifting gyms are at least our experience, and I think majority before like 2015 even, were very close quarters. They were gyms yeah. within gyms, or they're a corner in a gym, or they're a garage. And so like a lot of things you plan for are based around shit just being chaotic. Yeah. Where like if you have like a real gym, we have 6,000 square foot. None yeah. of our none of those have ever been issues. No. Like no. I've dropped the same thing. Like I dropped a fucking plate from uh, my eye height onto my toe. I thought I lost my toe. I didn't want to take my shoe off. I was fucking scared. <laughs> I'm going to see my toe wiggling around like a lizard's tail. Like, you know, like tons of shit like that. But that's literally just because we were shoved into a corner. Yeah. That's yeah. never happened to me here. No. Or never happened to me at Barber Brigade or, yeah. or even Untamed. Like, and I've trained at those gyms for the last five years too, you know? Like, it's not, and it's not that I was careless. I was still 25. I was a fucking adult. I had plenty of experience lifting. Um, or, or fucking, yeah, jacking up your anus on a fucking <laughs> deadlift jack. Like, that would never happen here. But you and I talked about, it, like, yeah, those are annoying and they're in the way. Let's not get a deadlift jack. But we've had one here for months now and no one's ever, I mean, I'm sure somebody kicked it or something, but there's been no issue. We had been no issue yeah. at all. Yeah. But I, I was, I was profoundly against them. Not that I wasn't dealing with one, them for years. Yeah. You know, before we were in this situation. I was but, against it too. And I never particularly ate shit on that, but I've eaten shit on tons of stuff. Yeah, but people like them for whatever reason. Anyway, though, I ended up with like a gash and then a giant bruise, like a whole butt cheek was purple. Looked like a giant grape. But because it was bleeding, you know, from this gash, I had to get a bandage on it. And like one of our very early training partners, um, I I always called him an amateur chiropractor. He's He's a guy with a fucking master's degree in economics or something like yeah. that but he was like oh here, let, me, let me you know put your rib back in place and all that kind of stuff yeah. he was that guy yeah and he's like okay so like this is gonna be weird but i'm i'll go ahead and put this bandage on your <laughs> ass for you and thanks uh, doc so he did and that was good and then i tried out my brand new squat suit that same day which yeah. i shouldn't have done yeah because probably then, didn't feel good yeah i got super swollen and it was terrible yeah and sweat and sweat. Yeah, it was it was all bad. I almost had to go to the ER. My wife, who is a nurse, was like, yeah, I'm not sure you shouldn't just go because I don't think the blood is actually flowing the way it's supposed to <laughs> through your butt. So that's kind of my only really funny story. There are fu- plenty of things people said that were funny and yeah, p- things that people did that were kind of kind of funny, but I don't really, there wasn't anything that was a real gut buster. Kind of you know? same. Kind of same. Yeah, nothing I can think of. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, a lot of like powerlifting, powerlifting was like just training our tits off. Like it was really hard, mm-hmm. you know? So it was like a little different. Uh, same kind of thing with my strength and conditioning coach growing up. Like he would make fun of me a lot and whatever. Like I was the goofy art school kid and hanging out with like NFL players, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was like a little different. And I had long hair and he called me a hippie and shit. And, you know, like 
the banter and stuff's funny, but nothing particularly. Not an incident that works well in a in a monologue. Yeah, my shoe didn't fly off and hit the fucking fire extinguisher or some bullshit. You know, or, if I if something comes to me, I'll tell them on the next. Yeah, episode. I don't know. Um, a little more applicational here, I guess. Uh, thoughts on carb cycling? Carb cycling is kind of funny because I feel like it's something that hasn't been asked in the last five years. Where for the first five years, everyone was about carb cycling. Everybody was about carb cycling, and then everybody got to be about keto. And yeah. then everybody got to be about fucking chasing animals down and eating them while they're still alive. When and everything like, goes in an arc from like, um, I don't know where, the depths of forums to like our world and us getting asked to like pop culture world. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like carb cycling probably became a thing in some, I mean, it's been a thing forever, but uh, became like popular-ish again in some form in 2011 when flexible dieting started to become a thing. And then it came to our world and we're asked about it every single day, every single day. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden it was probably in People's Magazine in 2015. And as keto was coming up from the forums again, to be cool again, to be asked us again, to then now keto's still, I think, kind of the pop culture move. Like you go to you go to a grocery store and there's thirty thousand products that just say keto on. Is that keto Snickers a real thing? I'm sure it's real, but it's not real. I mean, I mean, yeah, I, yeah. It's still a piece, it's still, it's still yeah. candy. It's still, it's still a damn candy bar. Yeah, like all the like net carbs is. You grab a fucking cookie crisp fucking cereal and it says net carbs on it for whatever reason. Like all of it's just trash marketing now. But people have heard the term net carbs and keto now. Like yeah. everyone. Right. Which is more people know what net carbs and keto is, and they know what like a deadlift or squat is, or that powerlifting versus weightlifting. Yeah, probably. So. Yeah, which is wild. Yeah. Um, carb cycling is fine. I think uh, I don't know what like latest latest evidence says per se, but there's not a lot of particular like physiological benefits to it in terms of performance um, or fat loss or weight gain. Um, but I do think there's some um, benefits in terms of lifestyle uh, strategy um, and also just mental notation, depending on how. Um, dedicated you are, how strict your goal is. I think having different macros on different days sometimes allows you to be a little bit more on top of what you're doing. If you just have to eat 5,000 calories, I'm making this stuff up, 5,000 calories every single day, it might get a little monotonous or something like that. Um, There might be something to a high, low, medium carb day uh, based around your training or your lifestyle uh, that'll allow you to kind of switch things up. And so one day you might have a little bit higher fat and you know, oh, today, you know, I have bacon for breakfast. That's kind of exciting. Um, And I don't eat bacon every single day Mm because then you're going to get tired of it. But Monday's my higher fat day, lower carb day. I'm going to have bacon. And then tomorrow's my higher carb day and lower fat. I'm going to have a little bit of cereal. And uh, that might add the spice of life. And although that sounds kind of insane, but if you're a competitive athlete or someone with very strict goals, that those are the kind of the wins you need along the way. Um, But the general concept is on days you would train harder, you would eat higher carb and days you wouldn't train harder. Rest days or light days, you would have less carbs. Uh, But the truth is, is we just want constant glycogen full, depending on the athlete and depending on the sport. Um, And so there's probably not a lot of benefit to even on your rest day after training. If your glycogen's empty, you're going to have to train the next day and you want those energy stores. So um, for runners and things, maybe something, but a lot of this probably has to come down to performance or weight class sports. Um, and our main weight class sports are obviously powerlifting and weightlifting probably in the people we're talking to or, or physique style people. Um, and even physique training, I think there's probably more of um, a purpose for it, again, for the mental standpoint you know mm-hmm. if you train five days a week and all you do is cardio on the weekend going lower carb on the weekend might allow you just to stick to your plan a little better 
Yeah, potentially whatever works for you. It's something that I picked up from from doing the post-production on Lane's podcast. And I think I've talked about it before, but it bears repeating. Figure out what your protein requirement is, you know, based on your body weight. Get that, like whatever whatever the, the calories are associated with that. And then if you're trying to eat at a deficit, you fill the rest of it with carbs or fat. Yeah. And you go back and forth between those things. Yeah. So you get your protein requirement and then you go back and forth between carbs and fat. If you're if you're leaning into fat, you're gonna eat a less volume of food. Yeah. That's just a thing. And some people are a lot of that will depend on like performance if you're more performance athlete rather than just trying to lose weight or aesthetics. Mm-hmm. Um and then how you feel mentally and physically eating those types of foods. Yeah. Cuz some people do just feel a little bit better not eating 300 carbs a day, which is fine. Then yeah, up your fat a little bit or they don't have a big appetite and they yeah. can't even get that amount of food and then yeah, yeah, up that fat a little bit and like you said you have less volume in there. What else we got? Very lifty things. Um lift lifty on uh, what was your bench press progress like year to year during your competition days? Uh, me personally, bench I've always struggled with, but one thing that I mega struggled with was kind of training. Um, I'm not, you know, bashing it for all you lovers out there, but training in a West Side style method um, with too much variation, not enough volume, and not enough frequency within the main lift, I really, really plateaued my bench and I was stuck at like 315, 325 for three or four years uh, until I started taking a more specific approach and just handling more volume within, um, you know, moderate ranges, 70, 80, even 90%. Um, and just, uh, literally practicing the bench over and over and over, uh, our, our upper bodies. And this is general, but it typically works. Our upper bodies, uh, can kind of be thrashed. They're smaller muscles and overall you're just using less weight. If you're, you know, benching 300 pounds, you could probably bench 300 pounds more times a week than if you're squatting 600 pounds. Mm-hmm. You squatting 600 pounds a week is just going to take less overall from your body um, and your brain. So um, I don't know, like, the exact progress. Like, my, my numbers in competition were always solid because it would always get better, but that doesn't necessarily mean they were what they should have been if I was doing things a little bit more properly. And we're talking, again, 2011, 2012-ish. So I don't know. I think my first meet, I benched 314 or whatever the kilo was, and then maybe 330 and then 350. And then last time I probably did a full power meet, I think I had a bum shoulder and benched like 363, although I wanted more like 380. Uh, my progress was, well, most of my benching was was in a shirt and yeah. in competition. And it, the progress was not anything like linear and, Bench shirts suck, and they really are painful, and they cause me all kinds of tendonitis problems in my yeah. elbows, and and just felt like I was dying every time I put one on. And I feel like gear in general. My ba- my best bench was like four fifty one or four fifty seven or something like that. I was like, I feel it, like gear in general makes it harder to be linear progress with the individual lift, but may allow um, your total to have more linear progress. Uh yeah, I mean that you know what I mean. Talk about West Side and and geared lifting. Yeah, okay, yeah, because it because you're so beat up. There, yeah. you know, you can't you can't do things the same way that you could do them if you were doing them raw because raw it provides its own limits. Well, and and you, the the to duplicate what you do in training in gear is probably more difficult. Where if you have a solid coach, do, do what you do in training to do in raw meat is expected. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, the one thing I can't get used to about about anything but Westside is squatting, benching, and deadlifting all in the same day. Even though you do that in a meet, yeah, it's a lot. It just seems like a lot in it the is. course of a training session. It seems like it's too much. Yeah, I, 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 obviously you're like varying it all, you know. So you're not doing five by five on all three. I mean, some people might, but yeah, you get used to it. You get used to. It. I was doing multiple, multiple when I was going hard. You know, I was doing probably all three twice a week together. Yeah, that and, like and then the other two days were like a squat and a bench. Seems like a lot. Um, actually, I saw this earlier on uh, Dr. Mike's uh, Instagram. <clears throat> Dr. Mike Israel. He uh, reposted this from Regressive Underload, and this dovetails with what you're saying. Uh, doing different exercises each week might be fun, but it's like practicing a different language each week. You're unlikely to make any real progress. Regressive overload can be boring, but repeating exercises weekly with increasing volume slash intensity is what forces your body to actually make a change. I, I think that the first part of it is pretty much blatantly untrue, and I think that the second part of it is is true. Progressive overload is boring, but you, you can get stronger that way. But I think that actually shifting things up because i mean because it's boring you could keep not going you could not go because you're fucking bored with what you're doing in the gym yeah so i think he's talking <clears throat> this is the same like conversation that every person on the internet has fighting like keto versus like intermittent fasting versus flexible dieting or whatever there's something um about being compliant and the individual athlete and what will work versus what physio physiologically is optimal right uh and in his term physiologically optimal is doing the same shit because because uh, eventually there's a skill curve and so you want to get past that skill curve on a tricep pushdown and once you get past that although the skill curve is low then you can start to actually make progress with volume and intensity mm. over time whereas if you do a skull crusher one week and then a, a tricep pushdown one week and then a french press the other week you never get into the skill gap or just the acclimation phase of it all and so then you can't actually make progress um muscularly or, or cns wise so um yeah i mean physiologically he's spot on it's a pretty good analogy with the language for sure um and it might even be like you were talking about uh, when you talk about the mentality of an athlete maybe that makes sense for some people to make it add too yeah if you're learning spanish five days a week probably ain't gonna, you're gonna get bored yeah like man how many times i want to work on you know my fucking verbs yeah yeah whereas if you're like hopping back and forth from french to spanish your progress may be slower but you may be able to stick to practicing a language for mm -hmm. 10 but years. But your understanding might be wider too. Right. Depending, yeah. yeah, maybe. And, and the point is that you just do it longer. Yeah. If, 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 you, if you switch your exercises every single day and you get to train for 10 years, and I'm never going to switch my exercises, but I can only train for one year, yeah, you're going to be stronger than me or have more progress than me in the big picture. Mm -hmm. um, and probably same goes for the language, right? If you take Spanish for one semester and then quit because you're tired of it, rather than you hopping back and forth languages, but you do it for the rest of your life learning both languages, you're obviously going to be much more fluent than I. There's a very good graphic uh, sequence in West Side versus the World that explains conjugate versus progressive overload. It makes a really good case for progressive overload f over time. Yeah. Over over years. Yeah. And the big difference, too, again, comes down to the gear. Yeah. Right? So, like, <clears throat> yeah, because the gear is kind of holding your bar path, not that it's not a skill in itself to learn the gear by any means, but you get generally stronger, and then the suit holds your bar path a little bit. Mm. Where in raw lifting, if you don't, you got to work on your bar path every single day. Yeah. Yeah, you can't get better at your farmer's carry and pray your fucking deadlift goes up. Yeah. What else we got? A bunch of more. Very applicationally things. Improving sticking point on a bench lockout. Um, 
I think weak point training or like lockout training and all that is, is a little bit misunderstood and also a little bit um, probably overrated, I guess would be the term for yeah, stealing our messonomics to things. Basically just get stronger. You're going to, you're going to miss some annoyed by that, yeah. but, but just get stronger and, until that particular sticking point is not your problem. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you, if you are trying to bench 300 pounds and you miss at your lockout and then you say you fix your lockout somehow and you put 300 pounds, 301 pounds on there and now you miss at your chest <laughs> why what how um so yeah overall just getting stronger not to say that you can't do some variations and accessory movements maybe with some bands or chains to emphasize that lockout a little bit or uh, i'm not a huge fan of blocks with raw lifters but it's something you could do or close grip bench elongating the, the range of motion put a little bit more on your triceps as one of your main variations um, but typically how i look at lockout or weak point training is i'll just train change one of my variations in in a higher frequency style training um to a variation that may you know be lateral from that weak point where where um, some people look at weak point training and try to hit it right on the nose. Uh, it's not like my weak point is green and I'm going to only paint with green. And that's what I think people tend to do. Whereas, uh, yeah, we're like, oh, I missed my lockout. Weak triceps. And then they just bash their triceps every single day for the rest of the year. Um, now you'll probably have some bigger and stronger triceps, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to bench more weight. Yeah. That might be it. That might be it. Yeah. That's that's all the decent ones. All righty. Well, I'm uh, game to lock this one down for the. Yeah, we're, we're a little little late this week because I had to. Life happens. Yeah, yeah, a little little, little family medical emergency that wasn't anything critical. It's just one of those things. Um, we might be handling a, uh, a semi-controversial documentary soon. I'm thinking about two parts of that. Yeah, let's do it. Let's watch it and then do a two-part. Podcast, you mean? No, I'm oh. thinking about two related things. I'm talking about, if you're talking about the one I'm talking about. I don't know. The one that Dean brought up yep. to us? Okay. So I think we should watch um, Transformer as well. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe we just do a, a long banger of a podcast yeah. on both of them and then yeah. split into two parts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm down. So Transformer, what's the other one even called? Uh, it's Untold and it's about Caitlyn Jenner. Caitlyn Jenner, Transformer. Someone just brought up Transformer to me uh, the other day. One of my sister's best friends from like eighth grade randomly on Instagram said, hey, I told your sister I saw you in a documentary on Netflix. I was like, yeah. Did they get paid for that one? <laughs> Nobody did. Bastards. No, not us, but. Somebody did. Somebody did. Just not us. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, brand new podcast every Wednesday when we can make it. We appreciate you so much. 3sb.co for all your clothing and gym information. Um, and I'm selling Mike anywhere you want to find me. If you are in the Sacramento area, come and check us out. If you're in California and you want to make a trip and take a grab a day pass and grab a T-shirt and whatever, we are in downtown Sacramento. We are waiting to serve you pretty much um, all the time. I'm at the Jim McD on all the social medias. Follow the show on Everything where we've got a thing in for social media, 50% facts, where percent is a word, 50 is just numbers, and uh, com for local uh, membership info. And we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>